Welcome to the Horrible Film School, an imaginary place where three jackasses stalk and slash horror movies like Mad Men on Halloween. I'm Chris, joined today by the only Ryan I ever mistake for Ryan Reynolds, the ripped Ryan Hooting. Tell you what, Chris, this movie did make me want to work out, run out in the rain in, in my pajamas, and just pretty much, I, I want to take my shirt off right now. I can smell your six-pack from, from here, so. I'm, not, I'm just happy to be here. And I'm also joined by the Reverend Jeremiah Ketchum. Who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's me, Jeremiah Ketchum. Don't go in there. There's so many demons. I, I, uh, my name is Joey. I don't know why uh, I'm being referred to as uh, Ash Ketchum. <laughs> However, I would like to start out by apologizing to our listeners of the first episode. There was an issue with uh, my audio. Apparently, there's a lot of clicking and clacking and popping and pipping going on. I especially want to apologize to uh, Superfan Raul, also known as uh, Burning Bridges, um, a.k.a. The Dick Throwaway, a.k.a. No Recall. Damn. He was very, very disappointed it's in it's how it turned out. ATAs. I just wanted to, you know, shout out to the ep- shout out to the listeners. Shout out especially to, to our friend. And, Shout uh, out to Dick Thrower. I, I, I promise not to uh, record next to an open microwave again. We love you, Ralph. Love you, dude. Also known as Joe, Joey, Joseph Bear Shark, my asshole brother. Welcome to the podcast, boys. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Happy to be in the, in the most haunted house of all time. Legend. So I hear. Whoa. Today's lesson, raising stepchildren. Keep your eyes out for the big six horror tropes that we're going to be tracking ourselves. I'll go ahead and list those here. Excessive gore, female nudity, jump scares, the killer not dead, splitting up, and technical difficulties. Join us as we play Judge, Jury, and Executioner to 2005's The Amityville Horror. Heavy spoilers ahead, so grab your red rum bingo card and let's get into The Amityville Horror. Just a little breakdown of what this movie has in store for us as we go over this. When George Lutz and his wife, Kathy, find a beautiful new house in the small town of Amityville, New York, they think the place is too good to be true. After they move in with their kids, they find out the cheap price tag is thanks to the house's sordid history. The foreign attendant murdered his entire family and was possessed by the devil. The Lutz family is visited by ghosts and manifestations as they unravel the dark secret that lies below over 28 days. Why 28 days, man? 28 days later. 28 days All I can later, think about was like a menstrual later, cycle 28 the days, whole time. Uh, bleeding for Jesus. 28 days straight. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much, so much going on within that month. Yeah, well, February, that Bullock February, movie? 28 days. Wasn't that a Sandra Bullock that movie about Sandra rehab or something? It was literally called 28 days. Oh, I never Jesus. made that correlation. Are we saying Sandra Bullock's the ones who, you know, caused this family to kill, you know, themselves? Maybe they had just purchased the DVD back in the 70s. This is a remake of a 1979 film based on the book by Jay Anson. The director is Andrew Douglas, who has done a whole lot of jack shit. Yeah, his uh, his IMDb page is very reminiscent of a graveyard. It's fucking terrible. However, yeah. he did direct a couple episodes of uh, Mindhunter towards the end of season one. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's impressive. It's uh, some of my favorite Netflix original stuff. So 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Give that a Fincher. watch. He did a lot of documentaries, and then, to Joey's point, Mindhunter. Yep. George Lutz is portrayed by Ryan Reynolds. Who the the man hunk. <laughs> the audience may know from Deadpool, Van Wilder, and a personal favorite of your host, Blade Trinity. So is this the most jacked he ever was? This, this is moment? the Blade Trinity body that he had. I literally... You know, Blade Trinity. I is watched. this like post or pre? Uh, I am not. Is he more or less jacked in this than Blade Trinity? He's less jacked. Yeah, it's the same oh. beard and hair. Gotcha. I got the hankering to watch Blade the other day. I don't know why, but I did. Uh, They're rebooting it, right? Well, yeah, 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 there's a reboot. But I think the the fact that Ryan Reynolds is supposedly in Trinity, and I've never seen Trinity, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a watch. Got all the way through one. Actually, a decent movie. I I actually like it now. Like more now. Deacon Frost. Frost. I like it more now than I did, you know, when I was younger. And then I got maybe 30 minutes to the second movie, and I couldn't do it. So. The second one's so good. It's directed by uh, Gilmore. The second one is Was Norman terrible. Reedus in the second one? Goodness, man. Norman yes. Reedus. Yes. He's like yeah, a little, right. the, the, the punk techie guy. And Chris Ron Stiverson. Paul. Did Chris Stiverson make it to the second one? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was in the one. second one. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wasn't it Ryan Reynolds in, also in Employee of the Month and Good Luck Chuck? He, that is that is Dane Cook. <laughs> what oh, is shit. wrong with you? How does Dane Cook look like anything you like? I thought they were the same. I thought they were the same guy, bro. They look just alike. What the fuck are we talking about? Dane Cook I wish think he looks like three, Ryan Reynolds. That fat fuck. I, I think I think Dane Cook, Ryan Reynolds, and Ryan Gosling can get together, bro, and they can create whoa, whoa. like. Hold on now. What? I like Gosling. That's my guy. Hey, Gosling's good. He's more talented than the other. All these guys are very like similar. Bull in the damn China shop right now. So, Gosling uh, is more talented all than right, the other. So two. I just learned that Dane Cook isn't Ryan, Go- oh, Ryan Reynolds. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> Moving further in, into the cast, Kathy Lutz is played by Melissa George. Who's that lady? She looked familiar. Who's she that lady? Drive or something like that. 30 Days of Night. 30 she Days of Night. Right. And for the female listeners, Grey's Anatomy. She is oh, super, super attractive. However, what was that damn Stallone movie? The race car movie? Driven. Driven, that's what she I was wasn't thinking. In she that. wasn't in that. I recently watched Driven, and it is god-awful. Really? <laughs> I like that movie. Oh, Shock. All right, the, the woman is like, she's super hot, right? Very I feel like they had to negotiate a separate contract for her eyebrows. Because it's like, her eyebrows are the, a character in themselves. They are so damn thick. She's a very emotional character. She's very emotional. A lot of her emotions comes to, comes to her eyebrows. That's like one of our most impressive emotional characteristics of any human face, right? I don't know. Chelsea Lutz, the daughter of the Lutzes, is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. 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 Yeah. Best Who, actress in the movie. I'm just kidding. She's fantastic. This was not her finest for me. This was, however, her first <laughs> film. Yeah, I was going to say. For all things considered, I think she was fine. And she's like a six-year-old, she was fun. In kick-ass. Yes. She was also in uh, Big Mama's House 2. Uh, <laughs> and she plays She plays. Abby. Glad I skipped that in my notes for Big Mama's House 2. She, <laughs> she plays Abby in uh, Let Me In, um, which is an oh, yeah. uh, American version the American of the, the Swedish film Let the Right One In, based on a novel by the same name. Um, fantastic vampire movie. I hope we eventually get a chance to yeah. cover it. 
Both are genuinely um, good. She the is original was fan, like, in my opinion, watching some of her movies, that's her best role. Five hundred Days of Summer, in. man. She was she was a cool younger sister. Yeah, she I love was that. The oldest son, Billy Lutz, played by Jesse James. Jesse James. I looked this up, dude. Uh, apparently, there's a porn star by the same name. Oh. So don't don't type in Jesse James into Google because you'll get either the porn star or the or the old uh, cowboy. I thought, yeah, that was the. Uh, isn't he like the Harley guy or something? West Coast Choppers. Who's that? I think it's the oh, same it's just, guy. Who's married to Sandra that's Bullock? A, this, is a, that's, this is a big Sandra Bullock episode, apparently. Wait, wait, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, I think, at one point. That was a proposal. That was a movie. But they might have been a. Yeah, they might have Damn carried it. over into the real life. I don't know. All right. Uh, but Jesse James has been in Blow, Pearl Harbor, and The Butterfly Effect. We're talking about that child. The all the uh, well, all these as a child. He's like he hasn't done anything notable since what he, was he doing like Blow? hit puberty. I don't know. I think he played the younger version of the Johnny Depp character. He played Bush number three. He was literally like dressed as a bush <laughs> out there just sitting next to a building. Out there in a ghillie suit. Billy, Billy brought some heat to this role. Come on. Oh, I got two more characters to go through here. Michael Lutz, the youngest son, played by Jimmy uh-huh. Bennett. You may know him from Anchorman and Star Trek. He played young Captain Kirk in the first Young James T. Kirk. Oh. Is... Did, I, did I do anything wrong, officer? He definitely looks cooler than he did as a small child. Yes, you look like a that stooge. A pretty goofy looking. It's a stooge. You're talking about like a ten. I got three stooge. And the last, but definitely not least, for oh Mr. Joy. Oh my God. Lisa slash the babysitter, played Ooh. by Rachel Nichols, who we know from from sports. At last. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. She whips them things out, boy. Ooh, them balls drop on Billy real quick. We're going to talk about it, but that's one of the hottest scenes of this entire movie. But she you was know, in P2, a horror well, no, no, classic. No, no. I, you know what else she was in? She was in Star Trek 2009 Good with uh, Jimmy Bennett. Movie was in it. She, she played uh, Gala, one of uh, James T. Kirk's many uh, flings in that movie. Oh. Yeah. Was she like she green, was the was uh, she green she alien uh, linguist or whatever. Didn't yeah. know it, but I knew it. Look at that. Yeah. So she plays a lot of just hot well, sh- roles. Well, I mean, we'll see why later on in the uh, review. The seductress. Billy definitely will see why. Oh, damn, Billy boy. The budget for the Amityville Horror from 2005 was $19 million, And it made $108 million globally. Jeez, oh, bro. Yeah. That's the definition of a Well, you see, it was going up against Feast. Of course it's going to make a hundred and some million dollars. (laughs) I think those movies are released really, really, really close together. Well, in my heart, if I had to go see one in a theater, I'll talk about it later. I think in retrospect, I actually went to the theater and saw that movie, but I'd kind of want to see Feast now instead. (laughs) (laughs) The real George Lutz sued MGM for making the film without his consent. Again? Guys, this guy is a money grubbing fuck, bro. Haven't they made like ten films in this series oh, at this point? Give me just a second. <laughs> films, books, <laughs> action figures. Be George Lutz being butthurt about his fake story. This will be a common theme to this douchebag's overblown ego. He died in May of two thousand six, and the case was never settled. Well, damn, I'm. <laughs> I hate to say this, but if he was still alive, he'd probably sue us as a podcast because it sounds like we're about to give him a good fashion, lady. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not it. 
Yeah, not it. <laughs> and to Chris's point, I'll be it. The ghost will now be in my house. That'll, that'll be fun. Um, to Chris's point, since the first movie came out in 1979, I'm just going to ask this. What do you think the amount of movies that evolve around Amityville are? I'll now? say double digits at least. It's got to be at least 10 plus. I'm going to say right at 10. How many times can you redo this? 27 films. How, bro? Five were made in 2016 alone. That's more than like the Bond films, dude. Are we I talking was, documentaries plus no, like motion we were talking picture, Amityville 1, 2, 3, Amityville Horror House, Amityville Dollhouse, Amityville Poltergeist, <laughs> Amityville Prison, Amityville dude, Asylum. I want to get that Barbie, uh, Barbie Amityville House. Amityville for, fucking. Just for myself. Just to sex myself. dungeon. I don't know. <laughs> I put my little Piccolo doll in there. Inside the little uh, Amityville dollhouse. Shout out, DBZ. Namekian, baby. So if anybody out there is writing a script, just put Amityville on, and apparently it will get greenlit. Shit, man. 27. Good stories aren't being told, so we can get more Amityville stories. Yeah, you can get you can get 20-plus movies of Amityville made, but where's Congo 2? <laughs> oh, oh, fuck, here we go. What kind of bullshit is this, bro? There's going to be a mention of Congo in every single one of these episodes. Once again, so Congo is not uh, a horror film. It's, it's still my stance. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be I'll be working on these guys. We're going to break them down eventually, guys. We're going we're going to get we're going to get Congo on here. One day Guaranteed. we might finally get into the city of Zinch. So with that, let's get into the meat of this movie. The opening scene goes over the Ronald DeFeo Jr. murder where he uses a Marlin rifle to kill all six members of his family while they supposedly sleep. On a very special day of the year, November the 13th. November 13th, 1974. Who knew 12 years later a young Joey would be birthed into the world, covered in shit, news and charisma, among other things. Still covered in shit. Some of you ladies might find out one day just what those things oozing are. So, is it any possibility that because of the way this lines up, that you could be the reincarnation of, like the five-year-old? I girl feel like I feel like Chloe Grace Moretz every time I get up in the morning, bro, with them big-ass buck teeth. <sighs> Come on, cutest, cutest, can, cutest can be. That's what I and say I, about you, Joel. You're just cutest could be. And then I look in the mirror and I just realize, yeah, I look more she, like one of those guys that got shot in the face. She just carried uh, Tom and Jerry, so God, so you know. Gracious, man. She's, she's, right she's imagine imagine having to act and stare at like nothing. She's top bill. That's the Rock's whole career. We are introduced to George and Kathy, as well as the three children, Billy, Michael, and Chelsea, in what I was assuming was their apartment. And boy, do the kids hate George. Oh, yeah, it was super awkward. Like, he was trying to slip it in, and then uh, the little dude comes up and starts to say, yeah, just climb into the bed with me. Let's talk you about do, your dad. What are you doing to my mom? Keep in mind, this whole time, the little kid has, like, scuba diving goggles on. And in my mind, if my, <laughs> my, my man's like, you know what I'm doing? I'm about to, I'm about to go scuba diving. <laughs> let me borrow let me borrow them goggles right quick, kid. That's a goofy-looking kid, man. Going back to the opening sequence with the murders in the family, was it not the most fucking erratic lightning you have ever seen? I, it was like a straight-on strobe I light. I fucking loved that they used that as the lighting for that scene. 
Oh. It looked like a fucking, like they're at a club or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I was every... for Blade to come in and start fucking cutting people up. <laughs> like every lighting, <laughs> like lightning strike or whatever, they, they used that as the lighting source for the scene when, you know, he was, he was doing the killings. I thought that was great. Okay. I don't think this movie is very creative overall, but it's like, that's actually okay. So the subplot was created with the audience learning that the father had recently died and George and Kathy had been married with the kids disapproving. Well, I think, if anything, uh, that middle kid was the most understanding. I guess he's at the good age, though, of like, oh, you can be my new dad. Yeah, because even Chelsea had some resentment. That would come yeah, out and the older kid, of course, is like, he knows he's laying pipe to his mom, so. Just laying it down. <laughs> he's a construction. He's in construction, right? Yeah, he's like the construction guy. He's deconstructing like mom's innards or something. <laughs> George and Kathy. Hot mom. Hot you mom never mom. see this guy do any fucking work though outside. Oh boy, do you though? He talks about it. Yeah, he talks about it. Talks about how hard he's got it, but I don't see the guy work at all. I feel like that's probably the real depiction of the actual George Lutz. But anyway, George and Kathy begin house hunting. And are introduced to 112 Ocean Avenue, Amityville. Dun, dun, dun. During the house tour, a ghost walks down the hall. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> and the realty agent just like, oh shit, we just hurry up. Oh know. boy, oh boy, those silly ghosts. <laughs> hey, did you guys happen to catch the cheeky little ass grab the, the girl does I did to see that. Uh, yeah. George right there in front of the house? It's like she grabs his ass in a way she's trying to slip a finger up his ass. This is a big she's, house. It's Let's like fuck she's it. checking his oil or something. Look at how many sex rooms there are. <laughs> so was she employed? Or is this like a product of the 70s? She doesn't so. work there. She was, she like was a, a single mother, Chris. That's a job in itself. Have some respect. I agree. I understand the struggle. I'm just, I was just curious. The price is given at a steal, and the couple soon realize that murders were recently committed in the house, and all the furniture is still there from the original family, which I would have said, I'm good. Yeah, that was one of the things that fucking tripped me out. They were like, oh, we're going to just keep these beds and shit after knowing everything that happened here. The whole time they're walking through the house, the realtor is thinking in her head, please don't ask me about the murders. Please don't ask me about the murders. She's looking, (laughs) Kathy's looking up into the ceiling. There's fucking blood stains and shit. (laughs) Oh yeah, what's the blood doing on the ceiling? Oh, I used to have a livestock slaughter uh, pen upstairs. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Just draining cattle up there. Sorry. As George and Kathy learn from the realtor eventually that the murders were committed, George gives an epic line that definitely should go on a t-shirt at some point. Houses don't kill people. People kill people. People kill people. Or it could be said when you're done watching the movie, houses don't kill people. I kill people when they don't close doors. Because it seems like people leaving doors open is a driving force for wanting to commit murder throughout this entire movie. It's fucking cold, man. I guess. Always cold. Nothing like a draft to just piss you off. You know, just sitting here minding your business, working your, really hard at your construction. and So hard. He is, yeah, I mean, just, he's building so a, many houses. You get a breeze and just yeah, hit your sweaty so abs at the wrong angle. That we don't see it in the entire movie. <laughs> he has so many houses. Yeah, why doesn't he just build them a house at this point? He doesn't thing. work a single bit for 28 days, people. <laughs> 
He's just getting stuff together. You know, he's just getting supplies together, getting his wood together, getting his hammers together. He talks you know? about how expensive it is to own a house and doesn't work a day for an entire month. And I would say just on a side note of, of having to do house hunting, never, never say I have deserved and earned a house this big. <laughs> That's not good way to buy a house. What does that even mean? I you worked so hard, George. You deserve this house. Yeah, she did. She did pitch that to him. That's her selling point. You're so big, and this needs to be big. That's just some shit you can't afford, yeah, man. Okay. At that point, he was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not that big, but if you say so." I guess I do work my ass off, girl. You know what? <laughs> so, the Lutzes decide to move into the house with all the furniture, with all the bloody beds. Day one brings us to a moving in montage with George and the family, where we find the alarm clock in the basement. Set at 3.15 a.m. This, this is back-to-back horror films that have actually contained a montage that's, that we've talked about and reviewed. I doubt this will ever happen again. I don't think we'll see any more horror films back-to-back that have a montage. If we get that's a such a weird thing time. to have in a horror movie. Yeah, it's, that's definitely not on our trope list. I feel like if we were doing... 80s action it'd be all over the place yeah. oh yeah before yeah. you go it's go, like cause horror movies you wanna like build going solo <laughs> in horror movies you wanna build tension and you wanna build you know that suspense and like a montage even used as as it is in this movie it's like that's the furthest thing from suspenseful or you know building any well, before of we get before we get past George's uh, occupation here, this man who works all the time—you are just really hung up on his yeah, occupation. We're harping on it. I'm thinking of, this is this is this is a fresh a fresh thought here. With three children, how the fuck does he have time to work out that often to be that shredded? Uh, he chops that. So we can, uh, he chops two hundred fucking trees worth of wood in this movie, bro. He does chop a lot of wood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what does shit. it have to do with his career up to this point? I mean, I guess I think that's part of like why they included it in the movie to show this is why he's so jacked. He just chops wood, just all day, every day. I mean, apparently you can get a six pack chiseled ab just by chopping wood. So okay, okay. I chop my wood. I'm just, I'm just saying, guys in the seventies. I don't, I just don't know how easy it was to get that jacked. The I real George Lutz looks like an Italian guy who ate a lot of fucking stromboli. He's just he a looks like hammered. Dude. He looks like hammered <laughs> shit. But That's like what Ryan, a 70s construction worker should look like. Ryan Reynolds in this movie looks like you can take an onion and fucking cut it on his goddamn abs. <laughs> like, it's like you don't even have to have knives around the house. Just oh, just then, put it against that sure. little uh, pelvic bone of his and just fucking... I almost wonder sure if, see him. if the real George Lutz was only butthurt because of how good Ryan Reynolds looked. It was like, he looks better than me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nah. <laughs> They accentuated them damn abs, though, I'll tell you that. So as the family moves in and we're introduced to the alarm clock, and at one point he asks to refill the wood in the furnace, there is a sex scene between George oh, and yes. Cassie. Oh, a sex scene that has no nudity, which was... Damn, dude, I, was, I had my fingers crossed because this is a very attractive lady. Yes. This is a horror looking. movie. I was like, just give me one slip here. Not to be a complete perv, but so, I see way more of him naked than her. So, I'm going to do something during our recap here of every time that George Lutz is shirtless. And we have our first appearance right here. Mr. George Lutz is shirtless in the bed with his wife. And then, as they're in the throes of sex, he sees a dead hanging girl in the room with them. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. We got a jump scare, boys. A jump scare. 
Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Yeah. Yeah, the, so, um, I don't know why she's hanging in this fucking scene. That made no sense. I don't, think, I don't think the girl was hung or anything like that. But uh, he's about to nut, and he just uh, peers over his shoulder. There's a little girl hanging from a rope. And if I don't you know see, if he finished. Uh, he definitely didn't. Some if people, you go that's back, when they help him finish. It cuts to her, and she's hanging, and then she sticks her tongue out. And it's like, is she like a, is she Casper? Is she like playing with them? Yeah, I was, I was confused, like how much, how much uh, control over like their own doings a ghost has. Like, is she doing this herself, like intentionally, just to fuck with him? That's like, a lot. He's going to develop a new fetish after this or something. Did they finish fucking? That's what I want to know. No, because he, because he says, uh, she goes, no, 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 no. What's I know wrong, he baby? Says, yada yada, and then we cut, but. You know, like five minutes later, she's like, eh. "Oh, I interpreted like, yeah. that as it was an awkward scene, and like <laughs> yeah. he pulls out, and then it's even more awkward." I uh, felt like his dick went inside of his body like a turtle shell. Mm. At that point, <laughs> we need a timer on how quickly his boner disappeared, just to see how sick he was. I'm just saying, especially with it being a young girl, this I don't know. There's some some psychological stuff that'll pop up later. As we move along here. Going to jump around a little bit. Chelsea goes missing at 3.15 in the morning. That is correct, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, back up. yeah. When, I don't yeah. have that in the time. I just threw that out. Okay. Chelsea goes missing. Let's just assume th- everything happens at 3.15 in this fucking movie. <laughs> Chelsea goes missing at 3.15 in the morning. And was soon found in the boathouse on the very end of the boat, holding a random red balloon. I don't know where she got that. And saying that Jody told her to come out there. Yeah, was that like an it reference? That's how I took it, but... The red balloon. Probably a good take, yeah. I was like, eh, but it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like it's a stretch, but who knows with this movie, man. What the this fuck did she get a balloon? This movie's all over the place. Yeah, I have no idea. Was that Jody's Who gives balloon? balloons to their it's children probably randomly? Jody, probably Casper Ghost. Well, we're actually introduced to the character Jody right before that. There's a, there's a scene where, you know, they go upstairs, <laughs> and the mother is talking to her daughter. <laughs> and uh, she has a little action sketch. She looks at it, and there's a picture on the action sketch. Uh, that that he and she and the mom asks, "Who was that? And uh, is that Jody?" She says, is "No, it's Jody? not Jody." I mean, but Jody <laughs> is obviously a, a little ghost that's in the corner saying, "Shh, quiet, don't say that." <laughs> Show him the action sketch. Did she just sketched out a perfect character of Abraham Lincoln? That's what the fuck exactly what I read. I was like, this is that shit Abraham Lincoln <laughs> looks like Abraham. No, it's not Jody. That's Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter. I was like, the mom was like, is this Jody? I'm like, you're looking at this shit. You should know your presidents. <laughs> Fucking Abraham Lincoln. She had a perfect representation of Abraham Lincoln, bro. So we get we get Chelsea back in the house. Another day goes by. A lot of you know, nothing happens. And then the next day, 3.15 again in the morning, Michael wakes up. Got to pee. Just got to pee at 3.15. Got to do it. Couldn't wake up his brother. So he goes to the bathroom by himself. For some reason, does not close the door to pee. It's very strange. Uh, he's freaked out by the open door, yet doesn't close it. And then washes his hands, and then there's another pop scare by some random demon. Here's my fucking issue with that sequence. The kid doesn't even see that ghost. Yeah, yeah it's just He doesn't there. acknowledge it at I mean, all. He doesn't, dude. Yeah. No, he doesn't. 
Yeah, I'm like, who the fuck was it's that? It's like for? we're looking at the guy, and he just ate like a bunch of beets or something, and he's spitting it out yeah, of his like, mouth. <laughs> I don't even know what the. Fu- I don't even think it's fucking. It looks blood. like he's he brushing just... his fucking teeth or something with cheer wine. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> the kid doesn't even acknowledge him. He just runs away because he's also, a fucking kid. Not to harp too much about the little girl going missing. What is it about like little kids in horror movies when when you tell them not to do something and them going to do exactly the fucking opposite? I guess it's like that in real life as well, but it's almost yeah, like that's a trope is. in itself in horror movies. Like telling a kid, "Hey, stay here, don't go here," and then you know, not even not even uh, a scene or two later, they're doing the exact opposite. Well, if it was the wife that did that, you'd be like, "The fuck's wrong with her?" and just roll over and go back to sleep. I don't want to save the children, man. So the next day rolls around, 3.15 a.m. hits again. George goes running shirtless. Again, we have a shirtless George for the second time. Running shirtless in his pajamas to the boathouse where the family dog, Harry, is barking. And I have a note that just says, Ryan Reynolds is ripped. So (laughs) just letting everybody know he's Jack. No arguments there. putting it lightly, bro. (laughs) My man is... Shredded. He's like a Julianne fucking salad. Shredded. Mm. So he, a constant part of the movie is George always saying, "God, are you are you cold? I'm cold. Are you cold?" But he never has a fucking shirt on. Yeah, put on some fucking clothes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the the amount of the amount of time spent lingering on his upper torso, his bare upper torso, is super uncomfortable. There are multiple shots to where the camera starts at like his navel and works up. And oh then, yeah, like, pans out. And what a navel it is! <laughs> Makes you want to join the navy. <laughs> I want to join the naval. I want to join the naval academy. Seeing that navel. So we're 15 days ahead. George looks like shit. His eyes are turning red. House is definitely taking a toll on him. George and Kathy decide to have a date night. We got to get the fuck out of here and damn blow off some steam. And hire a borderline stripper. As a babysitter. Good God Almighty. I had to pause the movie on this one, boys. I was thinking, why would you hire such a sexualized babysitter? Well, you got to think about it, too. This is like the 70s, right? Yeah. Wasn't this more of like, uh, they're still, they're still kind of in the whole free love uh, era? What is that? She that's that's, that's like, what, the late 60s? Nothing says yeah. more free love than fucking Long Island, New York. Shit. You talking about naval? Goodness gracious. This girl got a naval. Well, the mom said, it was like a throwaway comment, oh, I picked up a number at the grocery store. So she probably never even met the chick before this uh, introduction. And we are we are introduced to the fact that they asked for, does she need a house tour? And she says no, because she used to babysit for the DeFeos. Nah, bro. Yeah, that's, that's I know, a deal breaker I know this house moment. like the back of my hand. It was very strange. What are the odds that you would get the same babysitter? I mean, I guess Amityville could be a well, small town. Well, think still. about it. Well, think about it this way: they're in a small town because it is. A, it was a small town, or is a small town, not not super popular like it is now. Um, as well as the these two events only took place less than a year apart, so it's like she's probably the local babysitter for this entire community. She oh, was thirsty to get back in there, man. Boy, oh, is she God the almighty. local babysitter? She ain't the only one that's thirsty, bro. <laughs> I'm thinking some some videos were made with that with that lady as the babysitter. But moving right along, the babysitter begins to flirt with Billy. Yeah, little it is awkward. Billy. The, is, hold on, is, Billy is the only person who doesn't have like a direct encounter with a ghost. 
Yeah, that's correct. He does not. Everyone else has yeah, like a three fifteen moment. Yeah, uh, I don't think he encounters the ghost at all during the entire movie. And he just has like his first boner this whole of the his life at this point. I don't think Billy had a bad time. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. He's not susceptible to the uh, mm. the wiles of the ghosts of the uh, spectral plane. So what are the odds? Because she hits him with the whole "Do you French?" Oh, buddy. He, he thinks about it and says no. I would have said, How old is this kid? 13, 14? Yeah, I French all day, girl. Damn. This is the one in like 15 young boys. And who breaks in the room yet again before sex happens? They call me Pepe Le Pew, you know what I mean? God, that, that, what was that kid's name? Michael. 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 God, the cock block of a lifetime, Michael. Uh, dude is a, uh, is a, oh, uh, Kurt. Notorious cock block. Some would say serial cock block. <laughs> so the babysitter explains to Billy and eventually Michael the history of the house. And then they go upstairs to check on Chelsea. And for a measly price of a kiss poster, the babysitter is dared oh, yeah. to walking into Jody's closet where she was shot in the face. Before that, did you notice this lady pulled a whole water bong out of her purse in the bathroom? <laughs> that wasn't in her purse, buddy. That was impressive. That came out of something else. And Billy brought her some big old bowl of popcorn. She's Billy, Billy apparently brought her the one thing she wanted because he was in at that point. <laughs> and, then she, and then before that, she had told him that the boys had died in the same beds. And again, why the fuck would you not buy your own the furniture? The exact same at this bed point? that you're on right now. Exactly. All they did was flip the mattress over, and you're good to go. Right I, mean, I do that all the time. I spill like uh, ravioli or soda or something on my mattress. I just flip it over and let it dry. Such a, these are all like go. red liquids, man. I'm pretty sure you're you're hurting people and not telling anybody. Nah, that's just Chef Boy ID, bro. The babysitter accepts the dare again for a measly kiss poster. How expensive is a damn kiss poster? Jesus. Anyway. At this point in time, I think he had some limited edition shit. This kid was obsessed with kiss. Kiss kiss underwear, kiss shirts, kiss jackets. He had like his toothbrush was literally like a, a thing of Gene Simmons' tongue. Like mm. little bristles on the end I of it. I heard it's real, you know. <laughs> he liked it. It was super awkward. To clean his tongue with, with Simmons' tongue. <laughs> super fun. Tongue fan. on tongue. So the door closes behind the babysitter. She's locked in the room, and Jody appears, the friendly guest. Uh-huh. And she makes the babysitter put her finger through her bullet hole in her skull. <laughs> babysitter screams a lot. Can't break through a very thin wooden door. Yeah, and this, door, this to- door like locks itself. You got to realize, people, throughout this entire movie, doors are being left unlocked, left ajar, open, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And this actually leads uh, George to to fly off the handle on multiple occasions. This babysitter somehow manages to find the one door in the house that doesn't fucking open. And uh, she pays the price for it. She pays a big price because the next scene, she is carted off into an ambulance. Hysterical. I saw Jody. I saw her. We have a cut to George chopping wood. And you guessed it. Oh, he is shirtless. Oh, he's chopping, buddy. <sighs> well, damn, you ever try chopping wool with your shirt on? Fuck that. You don't get the <laughs> damn, full man, range of motion, bro. You got to get them pants off while you're at it. You got to get that I bend. can't get my swing. My nipples can't breathe. Yeah, my nipples get chafed. My nipples get chafed if I write on a piece of paper. Imagine how that would be if I was chopping wood. 
<laughs> and he's making Billy hold the wood for him. And he's That's like, aren't we having weird. fun, Billy? Aren't we friends? This is fucking great, man. Watching Ryan Reynolds shit. slip into madness is like the best part of the movie. He pulls it off like super well. Like his yeah, his whole wittiness that he's known for, like the way he delivers his lines and stuff in movies, it really adds like delirium. It, it's fantastic. Yeah, one of my favorite little sequences there when they're like having dinner. <laughs> she says... Is this discipline or torture? I he says, I thought it was a meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I made a note on that. <laughs> that shit cracked me up. And before that, when they had like the whole magnets on the fridge, you remember that shit? The uh, home sweet Where it said, like, catch them and kill them. Who the fuck has apostrophes and their alphabet hey, magnets? <laughs> somebody, somebody got the advanced set, bro. Very intelligent kids. The, Very intelligent. The whole catch them and kill them, man. That's a, uh, that's a Pokemon em. game I would love to play. Kill them. I think that would be fantastic. After George is chopping wood, Charlotte's making Billy hold the wood. George has a paranormal visit by an image of himself saying, kill them. Kill them. Kill them. Kill them. Because of this I think George's he likes me. It's more like he screams them. Kill them! Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. It's pretty, better. Uh, so at this point in the sure. film, he's uh, under the influence of whatever the fuck is going on. Oh, right? yeah. The, Alcohol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My question is, he's got to be shrooms or something. Because he's um, like coughing and shit, right? Is he possessed? I'm under the impression the house is like possessed. Is he? What's the fucking conceit here? That's what I took it as, as the house was making him sick, but that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, is it like he's psychologically reacting to like the house itself? Like he's just a person who happens to, everyone else is experiencing the same shit as him, but he takes it. To the next level. Well, somehow the house is making him wake up at 3.15 every day. That's like, and he can't go back to sleep. I think part of it's like sleep deprivation. Like it makes your body or your mind that much more susceptible to like influence and suggest, suggestive behavior. So, so is it's, he possessed? It, I mean, I don't know. Or is he just fucking insane? I just, I think it's a bunch of things. And then the, uh. I think it's a big old I, bag of bullshit. Whoa, be, get into yeah. that. So George takes a bath, because, you know, when you're sleep-deprived and you look like shit, let's take a bath, you know? Let's wash it off. And then he gets visited by some old monsters in the bathtub. I hate when people do this in a fucking movie when they're in a bathtub. When they lay down backwards, like, that freaks me out, man. What kind of bathtub are you in? You in a damn swimming pool being able to lay down like that? Jesus Christ. That's a monstrous I don't like water bathtub. going in my nose, man. The idea of that just disturbs me. Like, these people do it for fun and shit in movies. It's always... I don't feel like I take a lot of baths. <laughs> and if I do, I'm not going to lay there submerged. Yeah. Like, it's very Look, strange. You've had a... Here, put it this way. You've had a long, hard day of chopping wood and torturing children, <laughs> killing dogs. Stepchildren. You're Dog covered, dead, yeah. you're covered in dead, blood. Yeah. You're covered in everything but semen because little kids aren't letting you get your nut off. Whether it be little kids wearing scuba diving gear or hanging themselves from rafters. I mean, you want to relax. You want to take a load off. What better than to uh, run you a hot bath and, and, and soak yourself, you know? Maybe that's the point, Joy, is that he is sleep-deprived and sex-deprived. I mean, that'd make it's any guy. About sexual yeah. repression. Try to kill his family. I mean, you know? What about that scene? I think it was clothing. right before that where he's going to the boathouse and he's got his axe. And he's like dragging it along the docks. What is it about 
that type of scene that you see in a lot of horror films where somebody has an axe and they're dragging it on the ground. Just like sends shivers up your spine, man. That is like crazy. It's the scraping, I guess. That it's shit. always dragging the axe. Oh my god, it just drives me nuts. It, it always makes me super nervous. I don't know why. Oh, next like time we'll I'm around, around the we'll bring yeah, a random axe and drag it. Fucking drag a random axe around. It's like it. It just builds up the tension so well for me. So after the bath and the visit by the monsters, George visits the doctor. Where the doctor says he's 100 percent a okay. Go to the psychiatrist, and that is a solution. Yes, that is a solution, which is probably a very good take. Good job by the doctor. And educated Karen. As they come home, they find Chelsea is on the top of the roof playing with Jody. Oh, and God. This weird, mon- this weird situation happens where they eventually get Chelsea off of the house, and he, she says Jody was going to show her her father. <laughs> Just step off, yeah. Look at me, Mom. Look at me. She's up here doing fucking parkour, jumping over damn chimneys and and old rusty pipes. Her mom's up there on hands and knees, struggling to move around. It's almost like this they. Uh, it's sequence. almost like they cast a little gymnast to to play this part. The whole sequence starts with a fucking jump scare from the teddy bear falling to the ground. They used a fucking teddy bear for a jump scare. They got a lot of work out of that te- 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 damn teddy bear. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the jump scares the in this movie, The teddy bear plays a uh, big part in the movie. 80% of this movie was jump scares. Yeah. yeah, the director like watched every ghost movie ever made and just used everything possible as a jump scare. That's what yeah. I took from it. That was so overused, man. It had no effect at this point. After we like, There's a fucking teddy bear on the ground. Okay. Well, Ron Rose was very scared. <laughs> he was very scared at Teddy Bear. So after we get Chelsea off of the roof, 3.15 a.m. strikes yet again. George drags that axe that Joy alluded to to the boathouse. Ooh. And oh boy, does he well on old poor Harry. And down goes the family dog. Didn't he see him as a, like, demon or something and and he thought he was killing a demon but in fact he was actually killing the dog yeah there was a demon that jumped or a ghost maybe ghost is the right term that jumped from the boat to him he goes for that ghost and somehow it's the dog on the dock yeah it was a weird like the animation there was kind of awkward this the way he was swinging the trajectory hey he wouldn't have been hitting the dog at first i'm like as much, as much wood as he's chopped, bro, I think he uh, knows what he's doing with that axe. He is a marksman. Hold it, Harry. We're having fun. And I will make a note that this is the first time we see George in the boathouse with a shirt on. He was not shirtless during that dog killing. So. The repression is over at this point. So Kathy and George the next day have an argument about leaving the house, and George is having none of it. It's his house. He worked for that house. <laughs> he deserves that house. By God, that's his house. You wanted this you house. Wanted you got it. You got it. <laughs> to this point, I think uh, his wife realizes, this motherfucker crazy. <laughs> so Kathy, realizing that this motherfucker crazy, calls a priest. As we, you, we always do. And you don't call. I mean, you just, you, you just got to call a Catholic priest. When shit goes crazy, you just call a Catholic priest. I mean, you know. This whole priest shit, man, just felt like a parody to me. I was like, this is like the most stereotypical use of a fucking priest I have ever seen. Definitely, definitely. Like a joke in a while. I was like, this is a joke, dude. So the priest shows up, and the first thing that he notices is a character in itself, 
the teddy bear. And he says that the teddy bear was buried with Jody. And then he bum, goes bum, into bum. one of twist. the rooms, begins to recite the, the I don't know, the rosary, whatever he was saying, putting the holy water <laughs> on the ground. He looks into, exorcism. He looks into the furnace uh, vent. I don't know why he would do that. And then flies come out at him. Uh, all about the flies with this with this ghost story, and then he leaves the house without saying a word. Get out! It, it wouldn't be an extra. It, it wouldn't be an exorcism if there wasn't any flies. It's got to have flies in it. it, it if someone's going to be uh, exercising any demons, got to be flies, just like the exorcist. Straight yeah, it's rip. like a. I guess it's some kind of reference to uh, Beelzebub, right? Like the Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub? Yeah. Maybe Beelzebub? I just want to see I, a horror movie. I'm not movie a Satanist, I'm not sure. That calls like a backwoods, fire and brimstone Baptist preacher into a house to get the <laughs> demons out, man. Carrying snakes and shit. Hopefully played by Tyler Perry. That's that's how I want to see it go down. We got to exercise these demons. <laughs> He's dressed like We have exercise the demons. <laughs> this house is clear. What about the uh, like the tactical Jesus gear suitcase that the priest actually had that he whipped up on the counter like he was fucking the Catholic John Wick? That's a part of every Catholic priest starter kit. Dude, you just get that. You just get that briefcase full of the damn sizzle water <laughs> and all this other shit. Wooden chisels, you know, for Dracula and that guy. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the doorknob with the with the cross upside down. Oh yeah, that was, was weird. Like, uh, Why was that even there? So, yeah, this is so on the nose, bro. Yeah. So, we skip to 28 days later, and as we alluded to, Judgment Day for the Lutzes. Central Bullock finally gets out of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Kathy goes to the library to figure out what the hell is going on with the house and George. She discovers that the house once belonged to a cult preacher named Reverend Jeremiah Ketchum. Hey, it's me, Jeremiah Ketchum. You gotta catch him, you gotta kill him. This is the goofiest fucking villain name yeah. I've ever heard in my this life. This movie took a complete, like, I don't know, left turn into some weird shit here. No loose ends, bro. It's got to tie every loose end. There's no, there's going to be no potholes from here on out. Fucking Jeremiah Ketchup. Jeremiah Ketchup. Uh, I got a question here. Good. This shit goes to the library before it even opens, right? Because she's banging on the door. And the librarian's like, we're not even open yet. She's she terrified. In. Terrified. So we're saying she's got to be there before like 8 or 9 a.m., right? This know, lady doesn't I, I get Around home. here like 7. This lady doesn't get home till after dark. How long was she in that damn library? Well, she also says she's the priest, too. Because you got to go see the priest again. I, mean, I agree. But she has left her children alone with a man who at this point she knows is insane or possessed by some demon. George has got but it. She spends the entire day just out like she went shopping and shit. She had to go pick up some shoes, like. She's like 12 hours she's gone. Jody's got Chelsea. She's watching Chelsea. Billy don't need no damn watching. And That's then the other kid, ghost proof. The other kid's making sure Ryan Rose doesn't have sex all the time. So Abraham Lincoln's got this shit under control. Here's what he did. He actually just put him in that one closet that doesn't unlock at all. And just leave him in there all day. <laughs> I mean, they're totally safe inside the door that is not fucking open. Jody just fingering out. Jody's head the whole time. That's Please what Billy's doing. the bottle with Jody's head. <laughs> So, really was dating Jody. That's the fucking plot twist. Kathy learns that Jeremiah Ketchum had evil actions towards Native Americans during his mission in the 17th century Amityville 
era said to be the cause of the haunting of 112 Ocean Avenue. Meanwhile, Indian meanwhile, to Chris's point, what was happening at the house, George was walking through the basement of the house and encounters the apparitions of the various Native Americans who were tortured and killed by said Jeremiah centuries ago through a uh, opening in the basement after knocking down a cinder block wall. And so that, did he physically go through there, or was it just like a head trip? I took it as he physically did. Yeah. I feel like he came to, and he was still outside on the couch or some shit. I don't know. It was a weird sequence, but I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead and ring the trope bell here during this excursion ding, ding, through ding, these. Ding. Red rum! Red rum! But I would say the blood shower that's going on during the whole fucking process is excessive. That, yes, yeah. that whole sequence has its moments of excessiveness, like when the guy... Shirtless Ryan Reynolds. When the guy's, like, Whoa. mouth is sewn shut, and they, for some... He cuts his own sewn mouth open, and a lot yeah. of blood comes out. Oh, they're trying to uh, scare... Him at that point, I don't know. I think it's. I think it goes like this: the director actually had a little bit of money left in the budget, so it's like let's just go to the nines with this scene, gore it up, use it on as many uh, special effects as we can. So George is like bathing shirtless with blood or something, and in his little mind trip, it was more shirtless. Ryan Reynolds covered in blood. More, more shirtless. That's what. That's what we need. You know, just more and more and more. You think shirtless uh, is like a yes or no thing, but he was more shirtless in and, his sequence. And that's why the Washington Redskins are now known as the Washington football team, the Indian Torture Chamber. <laughs> so we learn about each one of these weird gotcha. tortured dungeon individuals, and then George comes to the end of the hallway. Entering a dimly lit room, George encounters Kitchen himself. And the ghostly figure of the evil missionary turns around, picks up a knife, and slits his own throat in an act of recreating his suicide, covering George with blood and causing him to become nearly completely possessed. Okay, it's so in the blood. We're saying he's possessed. Yeah, his like eyes go like black at this point, right? Yeah, his eyes are gone. Okay, so I understand the possession at this point, but whatever he had, like COVID, up to this point, whatever was driving him fucking nuts was. Totally unexplained to this point, in my opinion. Well, we're seeing throughout the movie that he, he starts seeing his family members, like, he sees them as being possessed. He sees them as demons. Like, there's a scene that calls back to the film they made earlier um, during the montage where he's filming his family move in and everything, and he's re-watching it, um, I guess trying to recapture a part of his humanity because he knows he's going crazy. And he, uh, he so was he watched footage he shot like two weeks prior? <laughs> Something question. like that. Had the time to develop it, everything. But um, he Good sees little days. Billy's face, and little Billy's face turns into like a monster face. And I, I think it, that, that kind of solidifies that, hey, I got to uh, get rid of these demons, the demons that are taking my family and, and destroying my family. When in turn, exercise those him. demons. I think Billy was the mastermind here. He never has any horrible experiences. Yeah, I think he's babysitters. I think him and Jody are an item. I'm going with that. George proceeds to go upstairs to the phone ringing. Kathy's calling, telling him to get out of the house with the kids. And George proceeds to rip the phone off the wall. Bad rhyme. Call that technical difficulties. Bad rhyme. Bad rhyme. Pretty good for this film. Three out of six. That ain't bad. The phone is destroyed. 
and then George, uh, as Kathy comes home, again to Chris's point, in the dead of damn night, after leaving at 6 a.m. in the morning, uh, George proceeds to attack the family, and Kathy and Chelsea run downstairs and find that George had been working all right, but he was making caskets. <laughs> Why did he have to write their fucking names on them? That was so, yeah, in like Crayola, too. It was like, it's very thinly written, yeah. Perfectly staged. <sighs> and then George shows up and just picks up Chelsea, and it's like, yeah, you know what, you know, it's, it's all right. I had a note of where did George find the time to build all these damn coffins, but I guess, you know, when he's not chopping She'd been gone for 12 hours, man. He could he could put together some coffins. At least we got to finally see George's carpentry skills, and they were pretty good. Kathy and the kids try to escape from the roof. George falls off the roof into what looks like a mud pit. <laughs> yeah, they're raising uh, pigs, bro. I mean, it was the damn deepest mud I've ever seen in a front yard. Some soft-ass mud, man. Also, where the fuck did this shotgun come from, man? Was uh, did uh, little horse have it behind the the fucking torture torture bunker or what? Because this shotgun came from nowhere. So George tries to chop Billy's head off with his his favorite axe, and then Kathy knocks out George, and the family drive away on the boat away from the Amityville house. Kathy looks back at the house. George wakes up from being knocked out and says. Don't look, Kathy. Just drive. And that's the movie. movie. Nobody died. So the metal pipe couldn't knock his ass any sense into him with the butt of that damn gun. That's the thing. Like, little Billy drops him. You can tell little Billy's balls dropped halfway through the movie when he saw that chick by the way he hit that dude in the face. Yeah, he teed off on his ass. He teed off on him. No, no. The best thing, thing too. True ending. The house cleans itself up, which is nice. That's a a nice feature. That's a good selling point. And then you have Undrill Jody. Undrill screws out of windows, like unscrews them. Yeah, like does it pick them up out of the floor too? Somebody can step on that shit, you know? Even on the water, uh, away from the house, man, Ryan Reynolds is still handsome as fuck after getting hit in the face with a shotgun butt as well as a metal pipe, falling down three stories. Uh, I can see what you see in the guy, Hootie. He's just a good-looking dude, you know? Just laying on his abs while you drive the boat away. If only, is all I can say. Don't look if at the only. house. Look at my abs. Poor Jody gets yanked through the floor, leaving that awful. Did she get yanked by like her fellow family guy. members? No, I think it's like the go the ghost of the Indians catch or something. I think it's the I Indians. Who cares at that point? I man? mean, it's one of those things of you can make your own assumptions, but it's like it's not really worth the time or effort to do so that. So the only casualty we experience here is the dog. That's it, Harry. Yep. Poor Harry. That and Lisa, the babysitter, man, she doesn't die, but she's, like, fucked up forever, like, mentally. So, with that, let's shift in to the, quote-unquote, real story of the Amityville house. The true story oh, yeah. of the Tell me what really happened here, Mr. Hootie. The true story. Let me first say, let me first say this. Murders did occur in this house. People do not talk about the murders, and it drives me bananas. Uh... So that's like the true crime angle. Like these are facts. People were these are facts. Yeah, an entire family of uh, what six? Six was murdered. Oh, no, but there's no fa- movies made about that. No, nothing. All, All of we the, care about is the Lux okay. family. Yeah. All of the Amityville documentaries you're going to watch just comb over the deaths of like, oh yeah, this happened, and now it's a ghost. <laughs> gotcha. 
so as we looked before, on November, on November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed all six members of his family after being, his own words, possessed by the devil himself. DeFeo would be convicted of six 25-year sentences, and he died in March 2021. Shit. Oh, damn. Two months That's ago? Recent, Two bro. months ago, Ronald DeFeo Jr. Shit. passed away. Man, if we would have done this last year, we could have interviewed his ass. All right, <laughs> why'd, you, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Yeah, Jeremiah Ketchum told me to do it. Well, that's just from the movie. That's not actually real. Nah, he was real. Fuck it. <laughs> He's a devil. Mm. He's a uh, devil. And just, whoop, and just one more piece with the DeFago murders. There were some speculation that it was a mob hit because... A Marlin is a very loud gun, and the fact that none of the family members woke up during any of those shots um, has led to a lot of speculation. But again, I it's think, just speculation. Uh, what I heard was like multiple shooters or something. Right, that thunder was crashing every every half a second, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, was the, it was the biggest lightning fucking storm I've seen since X Men with fucking mm-hmm. storm. <laughs> so let's shift to the book. In 1977, J. Anson published the book titled The Amityville Horror that recounted the experiences of the Lutz family over their 28-day stay at 112 Ocean Avenue. The Lutz has provided around 45 hours of recordings to J. Anson in order to develop the book. First, what's true? The Lutz did buy the house knowing what occurred only 10 months prior to their purchasing. And... The DeFeo's furniture was purchased for four hundred extra dollars. Pretty mm. good deal. That's a damn deal. It's a damn good deal. I mean, if you I could, can't like, turn flip that down, hell, turn that mattress over. George Lutz was in serious financial trouble before moving into the house, causing him serious stress. So, so he was already like, you know, n- not mentally sound. Yeah. So, is what's the possibility that this guy? Down on his luck, mm-hmm. sees an opportunity to buy a house yeah. and make up a story. The exorcist no, could just come out debts. and just what's selling right now, you know? Don't oh, you, don't you dare! A Catholic priest was contacted and asked to bless the house, but never even saw the house and only interacted with one single phone call with the Lutzes. So what's not true? The Lutzes claimed the house had physical damage to windows, doors, and locks. However, in 1977, the house was resold, and the new tenant said that the house had the original items with no repairs visible. But to your point, I guess the house fixes itself when people leave. Yeah, motherfucker, we covered that at the last scene. Repaints the walls and shit. Lutz is claimed to have seen cloven hoof prints in the snow on January 1st, 1976. It did not snow that entire week in Amityville, New York. In late 1977, the Lutzes sued several individuals, including Good Housekeeping magazine, claiming invasion of privacy and mental distress. Those lawsuits were later thrown out by the Brooklyn District Court. What the fuck did Good Housekeeping do wrong? So apparently the Lutzes were talking to a lot of people on like a press tour to get this book sold and then... There were people like Good Housekeeping write articles about it, but once again, George Lutz was not getting money for those articles. William Weber, who was the DeFeo's lawyer, that'd be Ronald DeFeo Jr., the murderer, worked with Jay Anson, the writer of the book, 
and was quoted as saying, I know this book is a hoax. We created this horror story over many bottles of wine. Would you say a Dornish red? (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along here. The debate as to what really happened to the Lutzes over those 28 days is still up for debate. However, James Cromarty bought the house again in 1977 and lived in it for over a decade, stating, Nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by the house to talk about the book and the damn movie. Apparently, Jody, obviously not being real at all, but the little girl saw Jody as a pig instead of a uh, actual little girl. And in place mm. of the uh, Indian torture chamber, that also wasn't there, there was an unaccounted-for red room um, that wasn't anywhere on the uh, the original blueprints. And apparently, the red room red smelled rod. of blood. To the day both Lutzes died, Kathy and Kathy and George, I don't think the kids ever talk about this bullshit. Uh, Kathy and George, to the day they died, would not talk about what happened on the 28th day. One last note, the house still stands on 112 Ocean Avenue today in Am- Amityville, New York, if you want to go be a jackass and knock on the door. But it has had considerable remodeling done to take away the famous windows in order to distract tourists. Fellas. What piece of memorabilia from this movie do you want to take home with you? Uh, for me, it's the priest armory. The uh, stuff he had in his suitcase. Man, that's uh, I take that and I'm always prepared for any sort of time fuckery going on. Um, no demonic possession would be safe for me. I have my holy water and my sizzle sticks. Damn, that's that's a good. And now a good, be, yeah. I would see. Now I would be. Uh, I'd be a little more proactive, and I would keep bug spray with me. Because I know them <laughs> flies. I know the flies are coming, bro, and I'm going to be ready. For me, if I'm going to add something, another piece of memorabilia to my, my horror-themed museum, which already contains the boss man's badass black shirt, I want to get that Etch-A-Sketch with yeah. the Abraham Lincoln <laughs> still like permanently etched on there. Like I'm, I'm, I've even removed the knobs so that it never gets changed. Who's that? Oh, that's the guy on the uh, penny. <laughs> Why the fuck are you drawing pennies in here? And for me, my memorabilia would be the house itself. Because lakefront property, lakefront property is hard to come by in this economy. That's and true. I won't are we allowed, are we, property. Are we allowed to go that big? <laughs> I guess. Like, I mean, well, mine it's is the, the whole planet. All the rest of his memorabilia going forward has to fit in that fucking house. This is the most famous horror house probably in history. Oh, in history, no doubt. But I'm taking the house. I mean, obviously I'm now living in the it's house. Got no fucking no demonic Just the windows, windows man. So it's like, Just get the windows. That's, yeah, where they the where they take those windows? I want the windows. So let's move into the Rotten Tomatoes fan reviews. Oh, here yeah. we go. This was this was entertaining. People were really upset with Ryan Reynolds' portrayal, and I just could not That's understand insane, it. That's insane, dude. What were they upset about? They were like, he's too likable. He's too likable. Uh, yeah, he is. That's part of his charm, though. And his, they were commenting on he was just not a good actor in this role. That's crazy. They probably didn't buy the transformation. I don't I don't like the guy, and, and honestly, he's the best part of the movie. If you put yourself into that 2005 Ryan Reynolds, all he really had was Blade and Van Wilder. So there's like a different mindset around him, I guess. These are all Rotten Tomato user reviews. Okay. So you can look these up yourself. Dennis S. says that Ryan Reynolds is so hot in this, topless, muscled, and dripping, 
But that's Dripping. the only good thing about this poor film. One and a half stars. So the best part of the movie is how hot Ryan Reynolds is? Dripping. He's like fucking that. dripping, bro. Kathy G says the most supernatural thing about this movie is that we're supposed to believe that Melissa George popped out three kids and still had that ridiculous body. <laughs> three stars. <laughs> three stars. One for each kid. I like that. Steve D says an intense and spooky film with a surprisingly dark and great performance by Ryan Reynolds. Three and a half stars. Kalina J says, not that scary, not even a horror movie, five stars. What the fuck? How'd I get five stars? <laughs> I think somebody's fingers slipped when they were like putting the star counter on that and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm too lazy to change it. Maybe they thought it was on a scale of 10. <laughs> That's probably a good point. Poor Kalina just didn't know what the hell she was doing. So as we wrap up the Amityville Horror, which I'm so excited to get past, I'm so damn tired of this bullshit story. What are you guys' thoughts about this movie? This is something I never want to see again. Uh, any iteration performed by anybody. There are 26 more movies, Chris, so you might have to watch another zero, one. Zero interest in those uh, 26 others. How many of those is Ryan Reynolds in? This will be the only one. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> well, shit. I feel like I saw this movie a lot when it came out, and I don't know why. Because I remembered so much of it, and it has to have been at least 15 years since I've seen it. Nothing redeemable about this for me. Um, I'm going to be a little less critical of the movie. Um, for me personally, horror movies, it's hard to be you know, too, uh, too hard on them just because they're, they're not really to be taken that serious. But uh, I guess you could say I'm torn. On one hand, I'm not a big fan of haunted house horror movies at all. I really don't like them. Um, for me, it's overdone. There's really nothing that this film adds to the subgenre to separate itself. But on the other hand, I actually really enjoyed Ryan Reynolds' performance and uh, watching his psychological state fracture more and more um, left me interested in where the movie was headed. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm about as much on the fence about this movie as I could be. Um, it's not the worst movie by any means, but it doesn't add pretty much anything. Um, or add enough for me to be invested at all. If I had to give it a thumbs up or a down, I'd have to say thumbs down. I just can't see myself watching this movie of my own volition on, in my spare time. I have to separate my emotional attachments from the films because I did enjoy watching every minute of the Ryan Riddle shirtless in this movie off the top. Love every minute of it. But as much as I love the man, even he couldn't save this dumpster fire of a film. Based on a bullshit story written by Jay Anson, the script stays way too close to the text for it actually to be a quality story. Once again, nobody dies in a horror movie. You throw in friendly ghosts and not a single death scene or nudity scene, and you have yourself, fellas. One terrible damn horror film. All thumbs down, but all thumbs up. To a shirtless Ryan Reynolds. All right, to rewind back to last week when we bombed our Rotten Tomato fan score guess and were assigned said triple thumbs down movie. We uh, took turns guessing what the Rotten Tomato fan score of it would be. Uh, Mr. Hootie went with the 69, the pervert. Joseph himself went with the 60. Uh, and I said 45. 
So let's hop on Rotten Tomatoes and see what the actual fan score was. Damn, it was a 52. What is the deal with horror movies being in the 50s? It's, people are so divisive, man. No one no one can agree to like or to dislike them, so it, it always falls in the middle. I guess what we know we know to guess in the future in like the 50s. So yeah, with no one within three points plus or minus, we are going to have to go to the rando wheel here. The wheel has been spun. Fuck yeah. 1987's The Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland. Corey. Corey. Both Feldman. Both Haim. There she is. Jamie Gertz. I'm about to girt all of my fucking britches. Look at this picture. (laughs) So I do not have the same emotional attachment that you two have for this film. Yeah, it's because you was like two when this shit come out. Yes, yeah, because you're a stooge. I am definitely yeah, a stooge for the Lost Boys. <laughs> you're a stooge, bro. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. And that fucking saxophone, bro. I don't think anybody's going to get shirtless here. So, The saxophone was, player was shirtless. God. Damn it. That's the first <laughs> I mean, image you just stuck your fucking Never foot mind. in your mouth, bro. That's like the one image from the movie I remember from a child. I thought maybe, this was going to be the first <laughs> asexual episode. Apparently not. There's the one thing man. to count on at the horrible film school is Congo and just a lot, lot of just really getting hype about shirtless men. All right. So, boys, you want to guess this Rotten Tomato fan score? It's going to be high. I'm going 74. I'm going to go 80. All right, and I'm going to go the total opposite way. I'm going to go on the short end of the spectrum. I'm going to say 65. Thanks for listening, folks. As an independent podcaster and a longtime podcast fan, I've always wanted to say this. We are now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Links to those are probably going to be in this episode description. Also, if that's not your jam, you can reach us via email. School at gmail.com so do the subscribe follow review thing to spread the love tell your friends tell your grandma because that's what it's all about right definitely tell your grandma because she loves podcasts I don't think my grandma would make it through this movie seeing Ryan Reynolds with that shirt off about to give her a heart attack she done passed out whoo it's so damn hot in here whoo I could think of worse ways to go so I'm going to use this sign off moment to offer my support to Mothers against shredded stepdads. His nipples look like milk duds. As I get out of here, check us out on everything Chris just said. Uh, I would ask the audience to do one thing and just tell one person that you know about it. Spread the love, spread the campaign. Check out the Horror Bull Film School. Uh, I hope that we summed up everything about the Amityville Horror and that you don't have to ever hear about this dumbass ghost story ever again. I'm out. Again, just to harp on uh, my co-host's thoughts, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate the love and support. Um, again, I apologize for my audio issues last week. Hopefully get, we got them squared away now, and it won't be such a pain to listen to us. Um, again, thanks for bearing with us. We're going to try to get better and better uh, week in, week out. And any suggestions or... or uh, 
anything, just let us know. All right, thanks for tuning in. Good night.